and welcome to the Pro Detailer Podcast. You join us again in Hayes in London, and we have imported a detailing legend especially for you. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Bob Eichelberg. Well, thank you very much. I really uh, appreciate you having Jay and I out here for this. Ah, well, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Bob is, uh, the, I don't quite want to say, you, you described yourself as a power tool prostitute. Uh, yes, that's a candid way to put it. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been in the power tool industry forever. Um, and I'm only, you know, like 50 years old. So that's yeah. really amazing. But um, <laughs> I actually started working for Skill Power Tools. And when was that roughly? 1976. Wow. Um, I actually worked for them for four years before that in the factory while going to college. And when I graduated from college, it was so funny. I met with a guy by the name of Tom Collins, of all names. And I had a Friday afternoon appointment with him. And he had a golf time. So I came in, in my suit. He's there in a pair of shorts and a, and a <laughs> leisure shirt and looks at his watch and says, um, when do you graduate? And I said, next Monday. He said, when can you start? And I said, the following Monday. <laughs> he said, okay, what color car do you want? And I said, blue. He said, okay, uh, I'm going to pay you $9,600 a year because you worked in the factory. We're going to pay you a little more money mm -hmm. than normal. And he said, I'll see you next Monday. So I went home and out in the parking lot. He didn't have cell phones then. So I grabbed the uh, phone and called my wife. I say you did have normal phones. Though. Yeah, we had yeah. normal phones. They were just black and white. Yeah, but not, yeah. not cell phones. And I called my wife and she said, what did you get the job? And I said, well, I don't know, but I got a car. So <laughs> we sort of chuckled about that. So that's where I started with Skill Power Tools. And whereabouts in the world was that? That was in Illinois. Gotcha. So that's when Skill was still Skill owned, as it were. Cause Absolutely. It was owned by the Sullivan family who uh, privately owned second generation. And, um, you know, so I worked for them for a number of years and then they sold skill to Emerson Electric and then Emerson Electric sold it to Bosch. Mm -hmm. And um, I left then and I went to work for ShopVac. Okay, a little deviation from, <laughs> from power tools, but went to work for ShopVac for about 11 years. And this industry, everybody's together all the time. So who you know today is who you know tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And my old boss, you know, from Skill, uh, hired me at ShopVac. And then another guy had been at Porta Cable and said, hey, how would you like to join the Porta Cable team? So went to work for Porta Cable. And then we were bought out by Pentair Tool Group who also owned Delta Machinery, Beesmeyer, Oldham Saw Blades, and uh, worked for them for a number of years. And then uh, they were bought out by Pentair Tool Group. And Pentair Tool Group bought Flex. So they called me up and said, hey, how would you like to run Flex? And I said, okay, if you tell me what it is. <laughs> so they said, oh, it's a German hybrid um, tool, yada, da da da. So what year was this, just so people can orientate themselves? This would have been in 1990. Okay, so thereabout. still quite a while ago, before, yeah. before Flex was known for detailing. Right. And at that time, actually, Flex was known for whetstone polishing, mm -hmm. uh, for granite, marble, concrete, milling, edging of granite. Uh, you didn't have, and you had some marble, but you didn't have concrete then or any mm -hmm. of these corions and things like that. So, But they also sold a car polisher, which was like a boat anchor. 
<laughs> people that used that polisher had Popeye arms yeah. after. So, you know, I, I joined it. I joined under a, uh, the, the president of Flex Germany. His name was George Hemfing. He was a institution. Mm-hmm. Been there forever. And he said, well, we're coming out with this new polisher and we're doing this and you need to go to a SEMA show. And I go, the hell is SEMA? <laughs> so I signed up for the SEMA show. Now think of how boring this show was for me the first time. I'm in a booth selling a German tool that nobody has heard of. It's $200 more than the DeWalt rotary that everybody's mm-hmm. buying. And it spins the opposite way. <laughs> it's a pretty boring show. But lo and behold, we started getting into distribution and everything, everything kept going. So, um, so I took on the job of a national sales manager for flex tools and, um, we had limited distribution at that time. We had one guy in Canada, one in California, one in Connecticut. That was it. So went around and did that for a number of years. And then we sold to DeWalt. Uh, that's a lot of nepotism. Well, not nepotism. What's the word of this kind of... I was going to say, that's a lot of mileage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So all port cable all divisions, everything was sold to DeWalt. Mm-hmm. So, of course, DeWalt couldn't get their hands around Flex at all. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, it was too small a company. Uh, it was foreign. Uh, so they sold Flex. So, okay, lo and behold, I was sold off as a... As, I, as an asset. Yeah, yeah. I've had this too. I, get, I was sold to the business along with a photocopier in the office chairs and just sort of said, right, you're now working in Wakefield. It yeah. was terrible. So I went, uh, I interviewed, I helped sell the company actually, um, Flex, and um, they offered me a job to, to run the company, be president of Flex. Well, the problem was we didn't have anything. I mean, DeWalt called after the acquisition went through and said, well, we have nine trucks of product. Where do you want them? So I don't have a warehouse. <laughs> it's not going to fit my garage. Yeah. So I worked that out. I went to open a warehouse in um, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, mm-hmm. because of the weather was good there. You didn't have delays because of ice, snow, and stuff like that. It was a very friendly market for uh, non-union. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good airport, r- rail system, highway system. So open that. But then I said, I went back to DeWalt and I said, okay, I need to service these tools. Can I use your network of service centers all over mm-hmm. the United States? No. Okay, another problem. So now we got to go. And fortunately from my past, um, I had somebody in Omaha, Nebraska, where I live, mm-hmm. central part of the United States. And for no other reason, being lazy and knowing what they could do, we had them do our service. And in fact, we still use them today at Lake Country. I mean, and when, when did you take the reins of, of Flex as the president? Oh, probably. Well, I was there 20 years. So I would say 1990 something. Something. Gotcha. Something in there. Because the other side was interesting. So you had affiliation with Porter Cable for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, um, to the kids listening, um, Porter Cable was pretty important. I mean, Ian, why don't you describe why Porter Cable is so important to detailing nowadays? They were the first dual action sander polisher, if you mm-hmm. like, that was really imported into the UK, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd have to have a transformer for it. But at, at the time you were there, did they have the, the dual action machine yes. at the time? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind that was back in the days when you had woodworking shows. And it was phenomenal. People would, we had customers, let's say in Denver that rented the auditorium in downtown Denver for the week. And you had, you had, they they would bring in truckloads of tools and have a sale. 
Mm-hmm. Where today there's no sale because it's everyday low prices at Home Depot, Lowe's or yeah. Menards or wherever you're at. But back then it was a big deal. And actually that ported cable uh, dual action polisher was made for the woodworking trade. It had a dust collector system on it, it had hook and loop which mm-hmm. was important. Um, but you had some detailers that had nothing better to do but take off that dust extraction and use the hook and loop to put pads and different things and wool pads and everything else on. So sanding this. Tell us, who, who were the people responsible for this? This is I didn't realize this is how it progressed. Tell us who, who was behind it. Well, it, it was the people, you know, you had... Basically, in the in the in the industry back then for polishers, pretty much everybody either bought tools that you may not have heard of, Sioux tools, Miller Falls tools. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee had a big heavy polisher. Um, Dewalt owned the market, absolutely owned the market. Skill played around a little bit in it. You had Metabo, mm-hmm. Itachi, Makita. Um, it was so funny when Makita came out. I remember being at a at a sales meeting. And the president came up and said, guys, there's a new tool coming to town, Makita. <laughs> but don't worry about it. They're not going to bother anybody. <laughs> How wrong we were. Um, but you still had the World War II people that said, I'm not buying a Japanese tool on this. Yeah. And that. Well, that gave up pretty quick. You know, it didn't last. So, so yeah, but no, Porta Cable was definitely a factor. The, the bad thing was they didn't know how to sell to detailers. So we had people in the United States, like Auto Geek mm-hmm. in Florida, who want, who would buy, oh my God, they buy 8,000 units a year, but they had to buy through another distributor. Uh, they wouldn't sell them directly. Direct. Yeah. And, and it was because it was such a heavy market for rebates for customers that these, these people had a quota. And if they made their quota, they got an X percentage back. So they stopped them from selling direct because that was a big, they always used at the end of the year, if they were short $200,000, we'd hmm. go and say, hey, if you give me an order for $200,000, you are going to get back X amount of dollars. They say, okay, make it in the in the the sander yeah you know and done deals so so we'll put a cable um adapting these machines that did have dust collectors on there just to be purely polishing machines was that a market that they saw at the time or was it down to also geek effectively to to adapt them or well they they did it to adapt them yeah but they never came out well they did come out with a generation two (laughs) you know thereafter but they never really have chased it and increased anything beyond that it was you know, with the big tool companies, the Waltz of the world and those people, I mean, if their their market is construction, that's what they key in on. Mm-hmm. And they, and their their numbers are so large that they have to sell to maintain that product category that, you know. Yeah, detailing always kind of falls by the side. Yeah, it just goes. And it, it wasn't that long before um, the Del Teo Kestrel DAS 6 mm-hmm. started to overtake Portacable because they could import it from the Far East yep. with the plug already attached. I about to say that runs on 240 rather than 110 volts. Yeah, and you didn't have all the the competitive Chinese brands and the mm. Japanese brands and everything else back then. You you had just the, the majors, you know. Well, and here's a, here's a quick question. Lake Country made the backing plate for the porter cable correct and the pad that comes with it in the in the pack and you've always done that that's been for yonks for donkey's years and still do yeah mm-hmm. that's that's very cool connection so I'd, I'd, I'd wonder if there was a um 
one of those sliding door moments at Porter Cable where somebody says, oh, we should really adapt this tool and really focus on the detailer market. And someone's gone, nah, let's just stick with woodworking. And you think at that point, well, you know, if, was, if they completely changed and pushed it at that point, whether things would have taken a different trajectory. Well, it's the same thing today. I mean, they... You know, let's say DeWalt, for instance. I mean, they make X amount of tools for the construction market, and they're fighting constantly with Milwaukee. That's their big, mm. big person. In Milwaukee there. just seems to like to fight everybody. That's <laughs> yeah. the impression I get. It's like, yeah. and they're local to you guys. Like the drunk cousin Milwaukee. Mm. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, but their technology is good. I mean, yeah. and and you know, and and they're an American company still. You know, manufacturing and things like you know, obviously parts come from all over the world. But well, they put the stickers on in the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's what matters. The um, no, it's, it's intriguing between them. Random question: You remember Flex is in North America had to be a different color than the flexes we're used to. Well, that's because. Um, <laughs> I was very involved in that. Um, I got a legal letter saying that we had to change our color um, because of Milwaukee. And I said, well, hey, we've been in business for 100 years, yada, yada, yada. And Milwaukee came back and said, well, you're absolutely correct, but you've only been incorporated in the United States for this many years. Mm. So we had to change from um, the red color to maroon, mm. which... It was a problem, but it, we we didn't have the legal means to fight it, and we just said, "Okay, yeah, it's so, not sometimes yeah, easy." Just so to, we just changed, we just we lost that without even. Without even fighting, <laughs> so. Well, the irony is now in the UK at least, Deep Walt is is trying to push in on on cordless polish machines, and they're getting around, and a couple of detailers are starting to use them, and we're like, "This is weird," because they're obviously a massive, great big company, but it's only now they're actually paying us any attention. Well, and I'll be fair to Milwaukee; it wasn't Milwaukee that caused problems. Milwaukee had a lawsuit against Hilti right. for the color red. And I guess and they Hil- have to be consistent across. And yeah. Hilti's yeah. the one that said, well, what about Flex? <laughs> okay, well, it was brought to their attention. So, because we were such a small, small, you know. Yeah, little entity. fish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a snitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like telling on your big brother. Because at that time, were all the Flex machines being made in Germany and shipped over. Yeah. So you had to go back to the Germans yes. and say, uh, this company of ears told you us yep. that you have to make it in a different color. And what was the German reaction? Because I'm imagining it was a... It was not good. What? Yeah, it was not <laughs> good. But, you know, fortunately, what we did at that point is a lot of the tools, we went to black mm. where we could, or we went to maroon, which didn't match anything at flat. <laughs> yeah, why maroon? Yeah. <laughs> why? Well, we wanted to keep, I wanted to keep the red tone right but it had to be away from the the, the PM, yeah, yeah the pm color of red so and that was easy and they agreed to it everybody agreed to it mm-hmm. so that's what we when we had a certain amount of time to sell them out or make the change over it, it was fair yeah and so because flex was passed between a lot of different kind of almost hedge funds at one point and then different companies and it ended up with its current owner Shervon. right and then about a year and a half after that, you kind of, you, you, you felt confident to leave it with Chevron. You're like, right, this is, and, and then you effectively retired. Well, I didn't use to retire. I resigned. I, <laughs> I said, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, mm-hmm. but I was ready to, you know, 20 years was enough. Mm-hmm. And I was just ready to either do something else. And, and so I resigned. 
And we closed up the office in Omaha and closed the distribution center. And they went to a 3P warehouse. Yep. And um, it was a great ride. I mean, it was a great company. It was fun to do what I did. And, um, you know, like Jay was saying earlier, I learned a lot. I made some mistakes. Mm -hmm. But overall, it was a pretty successful venture. So when did your, when, when do you, what, what date do you put on closing the chapter with Flex? What year? Well, it would have been four years ago, um, uh, this July. This July. And then, so now we start with the Lake Country mm -hmm. thing. So tell, tell us how you ended up working with Jay. Well, it actually started in 2016 at SEMA. Oh, you were cheating. Well, I was advising. <laughs> and, um, you know, Jay had asked me to, you know, some questions and, and showed me some deals and, and I, and I, I was upfront with him at that point. I said, you know, beyond this meeting today, it's a conflict of interest and, mm. you know, we need to, but I think I might've said, I think you're crazy going into power tools because <laughs> I, I know what it, because even. So he's always listened to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even at flex, I mean, we said, if you have a concept today. From your concept today to when you come out with the tools, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes that long. And they had done it before. And that's with all the manufacturing in place. That's right. And, you know, so they knew, you know, they, they knew what was going on. And they're not always the quickest people at getting things well, done. It makes but you very thorough. quick with the Udos. Yeah, yeah they're thorough. Yeah. Um, so actually, but see, I had done business with Jay for a lot of years at Flex. I bought uh, pads from them. Mm -hmm. And I and the pad was a dual label. It still is today. Dual label. Um, Lake Country. Lake Country Manuf or Flex Tools by Lake Country Manufacturing. And uh, I mean, it worked great mm. because it was, to me, we sold uh, quite a few of them during the year, but it was just something I wanted to take the heart or specialize in or anything else. No, it, it was an add-on sale. Are you saying foams are boring? No, <laughs> they're just something that, that what I liked about, you know, I can say this with, you know, great confidence is the number of years that I bought those pads, I never had a bad pad hmm. ever. I mean, so it was a, pro I used to tell the freight companies that would call on me. If I have to talk to you during the year, we got a problem. Hmm. All I want is my can of nuts or bottle of booze at Christmas. And then we're happy, <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't need to talk to you. You know, it's you, you have a guy, you pick up my product, you ship it, you deliver it and we're done. Sounds we're like all, a good marriage. Yeah, we're all happy. <laughs> so um, but no, it was it was some interesting times. But, you know, so Jay and I continued talking about all sorts of things. And um, I was very familiar with him, obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, so I left Flex. And Jay and I were talking and Jay said, well, how would you like to, you know, this, this Udos is coming to, you know, coming to deal. How would you like to try this? And I said, let's try it. <laughs> so I've been there ever since. And, and it's fun. It's exciting. Um, they're a great company to work for. Can you pronounce Okanawa, which I get? Okanawak. Yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I can uh, even spell it. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you come into the uh, to the Udos design manufacturing side? Was it already kind of a, a, a built product? You were it was to give yeah, it was pretty close. It, it was delayed, of course. It was supposed to come out, you know, that SEMA. I started in July and it was supposed to come out that SEMA mm -hmm. and it didn't. Um, but I was at SEMA and we showed, you know, prototypes or, you know, variations thereof. Um, so I was 
was there from the start of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got to throw this in for the Udos. I mean, it's still selling. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a robust machine. Mm. Um, I can go to my service center and back up these numbers I'm giving you, but over the years that we've sold it now, we haven't replaced any motors. Wow. Um, what's the warranty on it? One year. One year. One year. And, it, and it's a brushed motor as well, isn't it? Yeah. We have replaced no motors in it. Uh, a couple switches, lots of cords because mm -hmm. all detailers beat the hell out they, of They cords. chew on them. Oh yeah. It's, it's like puffies. Yeah. Yeah. And brushes. Use them in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's been a robust machine. And, you know, yeah. the good thing is we learned a lot. You know, Jay didn't say much, and I won't either on the new tool, but we've learned oh, a lot. Oh, you could give me time. Give me time. Yeah. We've learned a lot. He's been spiking uh, his coffee this morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just to make sure we loosen <laughs> up. Um, so, um, in terms of the, the UDOS, you've, uh, well, we've introduced this topic, so let's go a little bit further into it. Okay. Um, now, Jay said it was fine to tell us about the new tool. The the, uh, the Do you want to go into a bit of detail on that? that would be Not really. Good. No? no. <laughs> <laughs> I do have my plane ticket paid going home, so I'm safe on that side of it anyway. But <laughs> so where do you want to take... Uh, you know, because you're so just to give you a brief outline, we've got Jay who's in charge of the all of all of Lake Country, mm -hmm. and then we've got yourself who is in charge of the kind of the machine side, the mm -hmm. hardware side, and then um, we've got Don Don Sura who's yep. back in the States, you didn't bring him tragically, um, and he runs the pad side of things, so you kind of got this kind of pyramid style. Mm -hmm. Where are you seeing? Um, where, well, where do you want to take Lake Country from a machine point of view in the next 24 months? Well, in the next 24 months, I mean, even let's shorten it up even more. So <laughs> I'm just looking every day at a time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to take it in the next five months mm -hmm. um, to the new machine coming out. To, I mean, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting. I mean, it's there's things that our distributors are going to like. Mm -hmm. and so I want to see sales going through the going through the roof on that. I mean, we're doing a number of other projects here. Like for instance, we're, we're going to have uh, products warehoused in Germany. Yes. Yeah. I heard I mean, about which that. is yeah. a new venture for us. And well, your whole approach to Europe has changed with, with the development of, of Lake Country in the UK with Kelly and obviously with, with David yep. before it struck me that it was very much a kind of a remote thing. And if you want to buy it, you can call them up and maybe that'll happen. But now, you know, uh, just watching Dave going all around the world and he sort of acts like Kelly's carer sometimes when he's off in, in Greece on training days and right. stuff like that. There's a, Dave's, Dave's looking at me and smiling. Um, <laughs> um, but it is this proactivity to take on Europe. So you, slightly, bear in mind Europe being the back door of Rupes and Flex, it's kind of like, hey guys, yep. The Americans have arrived. Well, I mean, it's exciting for us because I can tell you, I worked Auto Mechanica this year where I saw you guys at with David and the team. And there wasn't one single customer that came into the booth that didn't stress to us the importance of having product here, mm. uh, primarily because of the delay, you know, getting it on a boat or shipping it over here. It's costly. It takes time. And, and you know, so Jay, fortunately, uh, we've done a lot of research. Dave's done a lot of work. And Jay bought off on it mm -hmm. that uh, we got our first uh, container on its way right now. That's cool. And, and where where is this happening? Germany, did you say? It's going to be in Weyburg, Germany. Where is Weyburg? Um, North Germany. Mm -hmm. So Saxony sort of thing. Yeah. We have That's a cool. partnership with a very good distributor there who is warehousing it and fulfilling everything for us. 
and and is that going to be fulfilling to the UK as well? Yes. It's so sad we don't have a warehouse in the UK, but no guesses as to why that is the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> Here's a question. Just going a little bit back to uh, touching on the UDOS, but now that you've made that machine, you've obviously got a lot of infrastructure in place back at the factory. Mm-hmm. You've got um, supply line sorted out. You've got all of the assembly sorted out, sourcing. Is there any temptation to make what classes a normal machine? So you, you, you'd now go into and just have a standalone DA and use some of that expertise that you've put together. Oh, they're oh, looking at each other. They're looking at I each other like lovers. All of this out. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this was a little bit of a, a jumped on question that just came to my head. So I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. It's like when I put peanut butter in a mousetrap for the first time. It's amazing. Well, you know, there, there's no question that there know, are very good things coming down the line. But you can <laughs> in this in this market, you need to obviously look at. Uh, brushless motors, mm-hmm. that's important. You need to look at cordless. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of opportunities out there of single, you know, once you make a five in one, you know, you can do all sorts. You can of, go up, you can you go, go down. Four, three, two, one, yeah. you know, whatever. And three seems like a good number. And well, you never know, but you build off of your, you, what you've learned and what you can do. Um, like to your point with the weight, I mean, the weight of the Udo's 51E is because of the, a lot of it is because of the 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of weight in there. Um, so it's it, handy. You can, you can murder people with the, oh, with, yeah. that, with the minimal effort. It's great for detailer protection. And while you say, you know, one of the things I, I tell people, um, in spinning them is, you know, if they, if they talk about the weight, you say, well, the weight can be your friend also. If you're doing a flat panel or a hood or a bed. Now, vertically, yeah. If you're doing vertical panels, you know, all day long, the weight isn't. But you get bigger muscles. You're more appealing to women. Exactly. You end up with upgrading your wife. It, 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 Everything. It's, it's, all, it's yeah. all over there. <laughs> um, so, so lots of interesting things happen. And so the good news, basically, is that Lake Hunter is going to be easier to access. And obviously, you've got distributors in the UK and stuff like that already. Um, and uh, with more cool stuff coming out. Um, I think it might be a time that we take a little pause and we shall come back shortly. And among other things, we'll do your 10 not so quick fire questions. Okay. Auto Mechanica 2023, widely known as the most important trade show for the UK automotive industry, with over 500 leading exhibitors taking part. It's on at the NEC in Birmingham between the 6th and 8th of June and brand new for 2023. We have a dedicated detailing area as well as the Detailing Live Hub. Industry Educators UK Detailing Academy are hosting practical demonstrations, manufacturer showcases and answering all of your detailing related questions. So visit the Auto Mechanica Birmingham website today to book your free ticket. And we're back with Bob Eichelberg of Lake Country. We are still in haze, tragically. Um, and there are some things that we want to talk about in this second part. The first of which is, now Ian was mentioned this off, off mic, and he was very insensitive about the way he put it. But I'm going to describe yourself as, as more chronologically enhanced, superior to us in a chrono- chronological enhancement sort of thing. So you, as a consequence of that, have got a broader perspective than pretty much anyone still alive. Um, over the detailing <laughs> well, we put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, it was just, how has the detailing industry changed? We've talked about kind of how the machine side develops and all the rest of it. Um, 
Early days of detailing, I was also geek and that lot for you guys. For us, it was detailing World Forum and stuff like that. Um, who, Ian, can you remember who was the first reseller? We're going to get in trouble if we get this wrong, but the first multi-brand reseller in the UK for detailers, specifically detailing. Oh, I'd, it's not going to be like a Shiner Armour, is it? Was Shiner Armour first? I reckon it's going to be because well, I know I know they dropped most of the um, manufacturing in the UK in it. <laughs> so mm, they, they, were, they were the first ones to go really tits up at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so, and then Autogeek um, in, in the States. But say if we take it from 2010 onwards. Oh, what- there, there is a fantastic photo online of Bob with, I think he's also called Bob, uh, Auto Geek. Oh, Bob, Bob McKee. Yeah, and your founder. And you're both having a, a competition to who can point at the computer screen the greatest. Yeah. It, was the, <laughs> it was sort of around the launch of one of the the Auto Geek show car garage uh, websites mm-hmm. and something like that. So you've been you've been heavily involved with Auto Geek mm-hmm. from quite early on. Well, I can tell you, Bob Bob McKee is a dear friend of mine today. Also, in fact, if I I could text him any time of day or night, and he'll answer you. But um, what was neat about Bob is when I came in, it was the Flex 3401 we were selling him and we couldn't get up as fast as they were selling. So Bob thought, OK, I ordered 50 and I'll get 10. Mm-hmm. OK, because I'm going to order 100. So I'll get 25. I go, no, Bob, that's not how it works. I've got to divvy them out, you know, fair. And, and it actually was good because he even told me, he said, as much as I didn't like how you did it, you were fair. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, but he was really, he was the guy when he came in, there weren't other people around at that time. I mean, he really was the the pioneer mm. that got it going. And um, online sales, the carnival atmosphere he had once a year, mm-hmm. having his detail fest. Obviously, you had Mike Phillips on board there. Right? And Mike Phillips. How, how many books on the 3401 has Mike Phillips oh, written now? A ton, <laughs> a ton. And, you know, you got to give Mike credit where oh, credit is due. You know, with Mike Phillips, you don't want to ask Mike a question if you don't want the answer. Because <laughs> he is not biased. Uh, he's honest. He's fair. And he's straightforward. So, yeah. I mean, it, Mike, Mike is, 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 Mike's an ambassador in the deal too. I mean, he, he's kind of an ambassador for the whole industry yeah. in a way, not, not any specific brand. He's just, I mean, obviously he's working 3D at the moment, but he's, it's, 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 he's kind of, uh, we, we, in the UK, there are certain actors who we call, what do we call them? Kind of national treasures. I think yes. we refer to them. Uh-huh. They're kind of, um, Stephen Fry, Stephen Fry, that he's sort of thing. Your equivalent, I guess, would be people like Tom Hanks, yeah. that sort of level. And, um, yeah, I feel Mike is, is, is the Tom Hanks of yep. the detailing industry. No, he's very well respected, very knowledgeable, and uh, and he's he's a good teacher. I mean, he mm. takes the time. Uh, I'm tell you, when you, if you go to one of his classes, he works you like a dog. Oh, I mean, we've been in classes before, and I go, Mike, it's two o'clock. We need to let the students break for lunch. <laughs> well, I got one more thing to go through. But, you know, <laughs> they're but, clawing at the door, Mike. Let them leave. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's tough, but you know, uh, again, he, he's. He's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And you had, um, obviously, Rennie Doyle as well, quite heavy yeah, with Flex. I've, I've dealt with Rennie. Um, I was one of the first people to do Air Force One with Rennie, mm-hmm. uh, which was quite a project back in the time. I mean, it was at Boeing Field in Washington uh, when the planes were all outside. Mm-hmm. Well, now at least they're covered. Mm-hmm. Not on the sides, but they're over the roof or covered. So, you know, the, the weather in Seattle can be, you know, just <laughs> like it is yeah. out here. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I, I started that with Rennie Doyle. Yeah, I mean, I, I do helicopters every now and then, and the 747 terrifies me. <laughs> my, my arms don't work for a week after doing a helicopter, and I don't even do that much of the work, frankly. Well, and, and we so when we started, uh, the Air Force one that we did is was the was the Air Force one that brought John F. Kennedy back from Dallas okay. when, when he was assassinated. Yeah. Um, so that it's an older version of it, but um, we've done it now. I can't remember how many times. And then we've also done some other planes, did a 747, um, a lot of the one-off planes. There's, they have a Concorde there. Oh, wow. That, that we've done. So, yeah, it's, it's a project. I mean, those guys are there for uh, 10 to 12 days, and they're working 10 to 12 hours a day. Do they get well paid? No, they don't get anything. Jeez. No, nothing. Oh, business expert. Yeah. yeah. Rennie has a group of uh, probably three or four guys that are captains. Is this the mafia that he does, the detailing mafia? Is that the... Yes. Yeah, it's the group that he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he has a group of two or three master guys that I think they're given some help. But everybody else, you're you're on your own card, you know, and paying everything. But the ones that are really good and really smart, they use the publicity. Mm. I even had uh, our local ABC station in Omaha, Nebraska, covered my being out there a couple times. You know, so these guys are smart. They get their own markets and have their, you know, highlight there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can clean Air Force One, you can probably do a reasonable job on, on Mr. Bloggins' uh, Escalade or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it makes sense. So in terms of the market, so in the UK, we've got a, a situation where we've got sort of five or six decent sized resellers who predominantly are online. Many of them also have sort of smaller online uh, walk-in rather shops. Mm-hmm. What I noticed, um, we've got lots of smaller shops around the country, many more than I first thought, actually. Somebody did some research. I can't remember where that came up, but so there are about 40 or 50 shops um, around the UK that sell p- pretty much purely detailing kit. But in the States, because we obviously from the magazine point of view, we've, we've looked at the kind of the way resellers work and it seems to be quite state-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you describe the market? Do you have big distributors that go down and down and down, or is it all quite flat? Well, you have key distributors, it seems, in every major market. Mm-hmm. You know, and, we, and fortunately, we're keyed into most of those people, one way, shape, or another. But um, And then many of them have their own outlets from there. You know, like this guy may have a brick-and-mortar deal here, and then he does wholesale or retail. Mm-hmm. Or a combination of both. And, you know, so many of these detailers, us included, um, are, are doing a lot of training classes. Yeah. So you're teaching the next guy how to do something. But we also have an awful lot of uh, mobile detailers in the United States. You know, where they got their, they got a van with a mm. generator and, and a pressure hose and everything else. And they, especially California, it's huge there, yeah. where they just drive Arizona, Cal, you know, Arizona, California, you know, those areas. Those areas. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Well, of course, in this country, we've got quite a lot of, of they're known as mobile validators, but they're also detailers as well. It's a, it's a sort of a gray area we won't go into at this point. But no, it's intriguing that kind of how the market works and all the rest of it. So there's not kind of... No, I always felt for some reason there was a kind of um, cartel style to the detailing industry. Is that you've got to know the right person to sell your products, and all these big, well-known American brands have got that that single point of connection. But by the sounds of it, it is fairly, you know, open. Mm-hmm. In that respect, comes mm-hmm. back to being a bit of a closed circle. And, and interesting, going back to where we first started with you with <clears throat> Skill. Mm-hmm. 
are now owned by Chevron, who owns Flex. Flex. Yeah. So it, 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 it does. It's all a full circle. Yeah. 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 Everyone ends up owning everybody else at one point. Yeah. I'm sure we've been owned by everybody at some point. <laughs> I, I, I feel most yourself. So. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll do, final question before we go into the, the ten questions. Who's your detailing hero? If you had to kind of congratulate one person, if you were at an award ceremony and you had a big gong to give to somebody. Oh boy, this would get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I still got to go with Mike. Yeah. I mean, Mike has been there from day one. Uh, Rennie, very mm-hmm. important also to me. I mean, those two guys have really been my guys yeah. over the years. I mean, I've helped them. They've helped me. They've endorsed my products. I've endorsed their work. But um, those two guys are really the, the two that have really the stood out to me. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, Koki. Well, as per tradition, and you, you've already seen Jay go through this, so um, you've got a bit of a head start. <laughs> what is your current car? Well, I have two. Oh, thank God. I have a, a 2022 High Country Tahoe. Okay. Which I love. I've, that's, I've, a, that's a big uh, kind of suburban style yeah, off-roadery. Shorter thing. than a suburban. Gotcha. But I've always had a Tahoe. So, and my other one is I have a 2014 Jeep Wrangler mm-hmm. with um, under 2,000 miles on it. Oh, is this the red one you were showing? Yeah. Very pretty looking. Yeah. What, what uh, is, it, is, is it modified or is it bone stock? No, it's bone stock, 100%. I've okay. done nothing to it. Have you done anything with it? Because it doesn't sound like no, it's not fun. much. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm planning on giving it to my grandson when he, oh, okay. he's 12 now. Or 13. Probably so, a bit early then. Yeah, when, when he starts driving, I'll probably just give it to him. But yeah. I just wanted it. I had a wild hair one day and <laughs> went out and bought What's really interesting is worth more money now than I, when I bought it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, it's rarer now because yeah, the time you, millions have been produced. Used cars have gone crazy. Yeah. You know, like there's no tomorrow. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I've currently got a car on sale on eBay at the moment. It's hit £1,164. I've just been notified. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. £1,100. It's higher. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So, money, no object. Uh, don't worry about practical implications or anything like that. If you could choose any car in the world from past or present, which would it be? Oh, God. Probably a Corvette. Okay. Which generation of Corvette? Huh? It's going to be a little red Corvette. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> are you going to go for like a C1 Stingray or you're looking more like the kind of the cool C4s or the, the more C4. modern ones? C4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And let me guess the ZR1 then. Huh? The ZR1. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I have to admit that's one of my favorite Corvettes. I think dynamically they're crap, but I did. Th- yeah. Still. And you can't cool. get in and out of them and they're uncomfortable. But mm. And it's a 5.7 Hemi in that? Yep. Yeah. I think nice. it was a C5. I nearly killed someone on a test drive. Oh, you told me about that one. Yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that was a C5. Yeah, automatic and really underestimated how the uh, how the torque comes in about 1800 rpm he bought the car though (laughs) (laughs) yeah and a new set of trousers um so uh, i don't know how much hands-on detail you do by the sounds of it i mean you've done air force one so so that's kind of the pinnacle but what was the first car or horse you ever detailed a 1971 mustang okay i bought it um brand new it was kind of funny my wife and I bought a new refrigerator recently, mm-hmm. and we paid more for that refrigerator than we did my 1971 Mustang. <laughs> Is it a, a, one of these big American walk-in refrigerators where you can hide sort of two or three bottles? No, no, but it, it, in America, it's kind of funny because it's, it's a smaller refrigerator, but because it's smaller to fit in a certain space, it's more money yep. than the full size. It's just the stupidest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> but, um, but no, it was a night. And back in that time, you had to order a car. Yep. You didn't go 
online or going to a lot except at the end of the year and drive one out when they're getting rid of the old models but you had to order it but okay but yeah that was the first car and believe it or not back then i was always been a clean freak but back then the only thing you had was i don't know if you ever seen it here but turtle wax yeah in the green bottle Yep, yeah. they're, they're big here, and they've actually had a rejuvenation recently. Yeah, so that, that's all really you use back then. They used to have yeah. color magic. Yeah, it was in the eighties. That big thing. But, <laughs> God, have you uh, have you looked up how much that seventy one Mustang's worth now? Yeah, no, don't. Was no, it a fastback or a notchback? Uh, what, what? No, the seventy one was a new design. It had that okay. bullet front end ah. design because prior to that, the seventy has the old Mustang look, yeah. which they have currently. So yeah. like seventy one was a weird and. The bad thing about that car, it started rusting upon conception. <laughs> when they put the fender on, it started rusting at that point. It was one that was built for the Nevada market. Oh my God, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, that's the first car detailed. And then we've got um, how many buckets do you? Sorry, I'm nervous because it's obviously quite a personal question. How many buckets do you like to use when you're cleaning a car? Well, I won't. I won't answer the pad washer because Jay <laughs> uses that, but two, two. Yeah, gotcha. A, a wash and a rinse. I'm guessing. Right. Um, That's from Mike Phillips. You never use just one bucket. Well, there are lots of different ways. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. Well, there is probably a wrong answer. But um, rotary or DA, sir? Uh, DA. Okay. Do you like long throw or you go back to the old sort of three mil? Three mil. Three mil. Thought so. Um, I, I barely need to ask this question. Coating or wax? Both. Oh, okay. Um, now, my cars, I've actually coated both of those. Um, but, you know. Life's I'm, too short sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But I keep my cars clean all the time. So, I mean, it. it's it's not an issue with me. Do you find yourself using all the PNS products because of your friendship with Rennie? Some I, I get stuff from all my guys. So mm. there's Doctor Beasley, PNS, um, Auto Geeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'm cheap. I, whatever, whatever I get, <laughs> I use. Mercenaries of the time is fine. It's much better than cheap. Well, what's funny is you know one of the things we didn't mention earlier is at Lake Country. One of the things we're doing now in, in cooperation with our distributors is having four training clinics a year at different locations, That's ours cool. and some distributors. So whenever we're there, we're using whatever distributor we're at their products. So consequently, if I'm at Beasley's, Dr. Beasley's, <laughs> I got their stuff and try it. And, and you can probably fit quite a lot in the back of a Tahoe. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> quite a bit. I need all five liters or 4.78 yep. liters as it would be to test it. Um, okay. Uh, Ferrari or Porsche? Chevy. Uh, no, you don't quite understand the question. Um, <laughs> I would say Porsche. Okay. Just because you prefer German efficiency over yes. Italian style? Yeah. Okay. Over Italian inefficiency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, I, as you've seen before, this is quite an important question. Um, Subaru or Mitsubishi? Subaru. Good man. Reasons? The safety record. Yeah. The resale is good on them. That's true. They last forever. Well, here's a quick fact. The fire departments in the US have to undergo a special Subaru training day because their jaws of life, where they cut the roof off a car, can't get through the B pillars on an outback. So they actually release a special paper at like a meeting for firemen or something like that, you know, showing each other their hoses um, to learn how to cut the roof off a, a Subaru because really? it's that much stronger. Okay. Yeah. It, see, learning every fact, day. Here's another fact. Uh, Subaru working on an EV and it's still leaked oil. 
no, uh, Toyota. It's called the Solterra. It's actually a Toyota. But you know, in the United States, the only thing Subaru touts is their safety record. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm in many American that. Subaru groups. We do lots of off-roading. We do lots of drag strips. We do all sorts of things. It's a very flexible car. But anyway, let's not bore the listeners with the uh, superiority of Subaru over everyone. Again. Uh, okay, now here's an interesting question. Flex or repairs? <laughs> <laughs> Neither. No. <laughs> I have a special place in my heart for Flex. Yeah. I mean, they were good to me. Good company. Um, you know. Funny. Yeah. It's all cool. It's all cool. Uh, final question. And again, I think I know the answer to this one. A Sunday drive or a Sunday detail? Hmm. I have no life. I mean, oh, it would be a Sunday detail. Sunday detail. Yeah. My second God. person now. Second, who was the first again? PJ, wasn't it? It could have been PJ, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. You, you have you ever met PJ? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know PJ. PJ. You can You've heard him, if not. Actually, to be fair, it's just, he's about, what, 100 miles away around the M25? Really? If yeah. I were to text him now and ask him to shout, you would. Pro- we would probably hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I mean, well, you know, at this stage of my life, my kids are gone. Um you know, you've achieved perfection is what you're saying. Yeah. And I like to keep, you know, Sundays is my day to, you know, we go to church, we got the breakfast and then mm-hmm. I either wash the cars or clean the garage or something like that. There's something very therapeutic about it. I mean, yeah. that's what got me into it in the end was there's an excuse not to have to talk to anybody and I could listen to my Krista Berg <laughs> and clean my car. Okay, Koki. Well, look, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you um, and, and and DJ uh, and it'd be uh, something that we'll definitely want to do again in the future. But in the meantime, all I can say is thank you for taking the time and uh, we're it's goodbye for me. It's goodbye for me. And thanks guys for all your support. 